Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns couldn't sustain their dominance of Joe Burrow and the Bengals, falling 23-10 Sunday in Cincinnati. They've been all but mathematically eliminated from the playoffs with four games to go, making it another disappointing season. <laughs> At least Deshaun Watson played better. Here to discuss, as always, is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. What's going on, Chud? Scott, just frustrated. I mean, yeah, I mean, of course he had to play better, right? I mean, after the, the way he looked in week one, I mean, we all have to uh, crawl before we walk, right? So, I mean, I guess if, if that's what we're taking. I don't know if I'm more frustrated after this loss because, and I knew better. I knew better than to pick him to win. But still, I did, and maybe that's why it was more frustrating. But just knowing that it was such a big game, yeah. and it just, I don't know what it was, but this one just bothered me as much as any loss this year. And, and and maybe that's because I fell into the trap of giving them more expectations. But really, I thought, I just felt like all of the excitement and adrenaline was lost right at the beginning of the game with what I think is one of the worst calls in a long, long time. And I understand maybe not kicking the field goal, but to bring in your backup quarterback to throw a deep pass in the end zone on fourth and one, that's just out thinking yourself. I understand what they were doing, but it was a mistake, and that just was a crusher. I, I just hated that call. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, when you talk about the disappointment of a loss, I think many things lead into that. The fact that it ruins their playoff chances, right? If they had won that, we talked last week out, you could envision a path to the playoffs. Well, that's gone, right? They're like 0.4% playoff chance, according to ESPN. Uh, I, I thought the Bengals were vulnerable. Joe Burrow did not play great, especially early. He was without T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, his number two and three receivers, without his top tight end, Hayden Hurst. And it felt like, you know, like the, it was nothing-nothing, right? After the first quarter, the opportunities were there, and the Browns did not take advantage. And you're right, that 100% started with that fourth-and-one play call. And really, they get stuffed on third-and-one, but then fourth-and-one looks so much worse. Um and, you know, I, I get why they did it the week before, right? They did it. They brought in Jacob Brissett for one play against Houston. It, it, Houston was different than Cincinnati. You got it because Brissett had started the previous 11 games. It was kind of like a handoff from him to Watson. It, it just didn't make sense against Cincinnati in that situation, especially like if you if you ran a quarterback sneak, that's fine. That's what Brissett's great at. Or if you ran something really simple – off of the threat of the quarterback sneak. But for Brissett to take the deep shot to Donald Peoples-Jones, so low percentage, coming off the bench cold, overthrows him. He's open, not wide open, but he's open, just overthrows him. And, you know, when I went back and watched it, it looks like David Njoku is open in the flat for a first down, and that's a much easier throw. So I blame Kevin Stefanski, and I blame Jacoby Brissett. Can you? What was the reasoning? Can you enlighten everyone on on why they did that? You know, I guess that's the question. I mean, it, yeah. what's their answer? I, 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 it was if you bring Jacoby Reset in, the Bengals think you're going to sneak it, and then you can do something creative off of that. But I mean, I like I get that thought process in general, right? You want the other team thinking you're going to do something, and then you go the other way, right? That makes sense. That's coaching. But to put in your backup quarterback in such a critical situation, and then for it to be a deep shot, and I don't know if Kevin Stefanski wanted 
the deep shot. I, I don't think he did. You know, he gave him three receivers. There's a tight end short, a tight end intermediate, and then Peoples-Jones deep. Uh, I think he would have preferred, uh, preferred the short throw. But there's nothing automatic about that. Unless you sneak it, right? Unless you say, hey, Jacoby Brissett's going to sneak it. He always gets these. That's what we're doing. If you're going to do something else, then just run, just have Deshaun Watson in the game, right? Like Deshaun Watson can run the ball. He could sneak the ball. He can run an option. There's He can do everything that in Jacoby Brissett can't do all those things. So I, I get the point is the, the threat of the quarterback sneak is not enough there, in my opinion, to make that move, uh, especially on fourth yeah. and one in a huge game, right? That, that just the magnitude of it all makes the call it makes the call more strange and more confusing and less a good idea. Like other teams have used Brissett yeah. as a, just a quarterback sneak before. Like he's done that in the past. I think Miami did it with him. They take two out and let him sneak, but this was different. And this and now you have Deshaun Watson, who should be able to run a bunch of different plays off of that uh, on fourth and one. Yeah, right. And and basically, Stefanski's saying, you know, our goal is to get touchdowns, not field goals. You know, we need touchdowns to win games like this, right? So, um, yeah. you know, that there's that. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an issue with that. And part of that's because I expect it now, right? I mean, we, it's three years. They're going to go for yeah. touchdowns. Now, I, I do think where he aired a little bit is he said, we thought it was going to be we need touchdowns in this game, right? He thought it would be a high-scoring game. And that's a miscalculation. Now, it was still early. You didn't know for sure, I guess, that Boyd and Higgins weren't going to play um, the rest of the game. But at some point, that had to switch, right? The calculus switch said, hey, you know, 23 points might be enough to win this thing. So maybe a field goal here and there is good or good enough. Um, I, I, so I don't know if I blame him for not knowing that on the first possession. I understand that thinking. It's like when you play the Chiefs, right? You need touchdowns to keep up with the Chiefs. Um, so I, I don't I don't have an issue going for it on fourth down. It's all about the substitution of quarterback and then the choice of either Stefanski and or Brissett to take a deep shot there, um, especially when he wasn't wide open. So Stefanski's taking some heat now on uh, some radio shows I've heard and things I've read. And do, do you feel that he is on any kind of hot seat or should he give up the play calling duties? Is there, is there anything to this, or do you think he's okay? Um, I think it bears watching. I, I think these last four games are important to some degree, right? Like the Browns mm -hmm. went in the tank and lost the last four games, and Deshaun Watson looks terrible. Then I think we have a discussion, right? And I, I've always said this, the Haslams are unpredictable, and we know that they make yeah. plenty of changes. So I'm never going to rule out that a move is possible. I don't feel like one is – imminent you're not even imminent like at the end of the season like I don't feel like one is pending coming to the end of the season but I want to see how the rest of the season plays out um I understand the criticism I I personally I don't play calling to me is not his problem right we obviously we just talked about fourth and one Sunday there's a fourth down play call in Atlanta like there's play calls you can point to that's true with all play calls I think he does a good job as a play caller. I think he did a great job with Jacoby Brissett. The offense was really good. Um, you know, you can talk about the penalties, and yes, that falls on the head coach. My biggest issue with Kevin Stefanski, it's not an issue, my biggest question is how does he lead this team, right? Does he inspire this team? And that's something that's so hard to quantify. 
right? But if if I felt if I were the Haslam's and I felt yeah, that he did, that's right? a great point. Like because to me, I, I like the fact that he's even keel. I like the fact that he's smart. Right? There's a lot of things to like about Kevin Stefanski. I don't feel like he's overmatched or overwhelmed. You know, there, there's a matchup or two. You know, against Miami, I felt like they were outcoached. But in general, I think he is head coach material. Right? The question is. Is his message still getting through to the guys? Does he inspire the guys? Um, which is a question because that's not his personality, right? His outward personality is not, um, you know, he's not a yeller. He's not Dan Campbell in Detroit, right? He doesn't carry that passion on his sleeve. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't be a good coach. So to me, the play calling is not why you would fire him. Um, his management overall is not why you would fire him. I feel like he's got control of things, even if there's penalties, even if, there's breakdowns. Like, it's not his fault Tony Fields runs into the punter, right, or roughs the punter. Like, that's not the head coach's fault. That's a dumb play by a player. If you're going to blame anybody, I guess you could blame the special teams coordinator. Um, so, anyway, so there, I guess there's a chance. I'm not ruling out a coaching change at the end of the year. I know there's momentum in the social media and maybe even the media communities. Um, I don't feel like the organization is there. But we still have four games, and I, and I think these games matter in how they look. And if it feels like Deshaun Watson's back to normal, they win a couple games. You know, if you're eight and nine, you know, that's not terrible, right? It's not great. It's not, it falls short of expectations. But to me, that I don't know if that's, man, you got to fire the guy. But if all of a sudden they finish five and 12 because they lose the last five games, you know, I, I feel like that's a much different thing for Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam to think about. Yeah, I never felt comfortable watching Deshaun in that game. I don't know if it's – it seems like he has time and then it, it, it's like he can't find anyone open. He's like – and on TV, you can't see the whole field, right? But right. I, I just – I didn't feel comfortable watching him, although he did look better, if that makes sense. It does, Chad. I think that's a good way to put it. And I thought the Bengals did a good job. They would blitz some and the he didn't have answers or the Browns didn't have answers. And then they would drop eight other times and nobody's open. And, you know, Amari Cooper wasn't himself, so I think that hurt because I remember looking down from the press box in one play going, like, Cooper just can't get away from this guy. And it was one of those, like, extended plays, and there's just no chance. He was not in the – you know, he, he wasn't an option there at all. So I, I think you're right. I, I think Watson is still not seeing the field perfectly. Not that quarterbacks ever do, but some guys do, right? But through TV pointed out when I rewatched the game, pointed out a couple examples. He had Michael Woods open over the middle one time. He had Mark Cooper on a shallow cross when the blitz was coming right in front of his face and doesn't throw it. So I don't know if he doesn't see it or not comfortable throwing it, but there's certainly those examples. Um, and then there's a place where he extends and then, you know, the offensive line gets downfield. What do you do? So the, there were, I think you're right. And we're still seeing there's plenty of room for growth, but I, to me, the biggest improvement, the most notable was, or noticeable and notable was how he threw it, right? He didn't bounce any balls. I thought he threw it much better. His accuracy was improved. You know, it's a terrible interception that he threw in the fourth quarter as the Browns tried to come back, and that's all on him. Peoples Jones yeah. was open early, and he waited all day or waited too long to throw it. He admitted that he was late, and it let Bates inter undercut and intercept it. The play before, he made probably his best throw of the day. He's got a guy on his foot yanking him down, and he throws a strike over the middle. So there were signs of progress from a throwing and I think a running perspective. But as far as seeing the field and being completely comfortable in Kevin Stefanski's offense, I think we're still a ways away. Did he take a lot of the heat from the fans? You were there. 
Yeah, you know what? I mean, there were some booze, but nothing that, you know, we're in the press box, so it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. Yeah. But I, I didn't get a huge, like, it didn't resonate with me at all. I didn't feel the need to ask him about it. Didn't feel the need to mention it. You know, I know that TV showed a no means no sign, you know, and I think you're going to get that. Um, I am fascinated. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think the reception is going to be Sunday? It's his first home game. I think it will be overwhelm, not overwhelmingly, but I think the majority will be support for him. I, I think that the more people that are inside that stadium are there to support the Browns and are the people that are going to cheer for the Browns regardless, you know, because I've seen both sides, right? I mean, we've heard, we've had fans interviewed on, on channel three on TV where, where, you know, it's, it's, it's gone both ways, you know, from people that are uh, frustrated and say they won't root for the Browns. And then you have others that say, it doesn't matter who's a quarterback. I'm still going to root for the team. So right. in my opinion, I think it's going to be, you know, more so favorable for him. And you might have a, a few outliers here and there. Yeah, I agree, right? I mean, if you're that disgusted by the off-the-field accusations, would you go, you know? I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, maybe there's some right. protests outside, but I think inside the stadium, um, if, if you're there, the the vast majority will be cheering loudly. And I think there'll probably be people there who don't cheer, but don't boo. Just remain quiet, and that's their kind of silent protest, yeah. you know, if you have season tickets or whatever, and you're not a huge fan of his. Um, but it will be interesting. It will be worth watching, but I'm with you. I think that's how it goes. Maybe the diehard people that are against him will be outside, similar to the way, you know, fans that were against the Indians name were over right. at Progressive Field, you know, might because let's be honest, I know the name ended up changing, but it was sure. kind of a, a minority amount of fans, or not fans, but people you'd see outside. Yeah. Um, so maybe it'll be something similar to that. Uh, yeah. One last thing about the offense that's been brought up a lot, too, is, you know, the running game. I mean, what they had 71 yards, Chubb had 34. Um, are we seeing a concern at all about Chubb and Watson coexisting? Well, I think it's a great question. Um, I, I think that's certainly part of it. Not that they won't be able to, but it's different. And, and I'm, you know, I was writing down my questions for today, um, and I expect we talked to Nick Chubb in the locker room. And I want to ask him about that because it's different getting the ball out of the shotgun or out of the pistol, right, versus the quarterback's under center. It's different when you have those mesh points where the, the quarterback might keep the ball, right? You didn't have that with Jacoby Brissett. You didn't, you didn't have that with Baker Mayfield. So this is an adjustment. I think it's an adjustment for the offensive line as well, which I don't think played particularly well. Um, you know, you got the center issue, Forholtz in there. Um, you know, he's not a nat- natural center. I think Wytel has been dealing with the calf injury. Um, but I do think the Watson element is certainly something that's affected Nick Chubb and affected the running game. I don't think that's a long-term problem, but I, I think short-term it is. And I'll tell you what, there's no reason to think it's going to get better against Baltimore because Baltimore's got like the, a top five run defense. Um, they got Roquan Smith playing great at linebacker who they acquired at a midseason trade. So, I think it's going to be tough sledding for the Browns again Sunday. Now, maybe Bill Callahan comes up with something. Maybe they go back to more two tight ends instead of spreading it out with the three wides like they did in Cincinnati. Um, but I, but I think you I think you make a real good point there, Judd. Yeah. You know, I made a comment on Twitter and some people, you know, came at me a little bit about it because, you know, they take it seriously. And I just threw out a number out there to have fun. But 
you know, I picked the Browns because I needed Burrow to show me he could beat the Browns. Listen, I'm not an idiot. I knew eventually he would, but I listen, I <laughs> I went with it. I own it. I lost. The Browns lost. That said, now that you know he was 0-4, now it just feels like I just turned the game off. I'm like, now he's probably gonna win like the next 10 <laughs> against the Browns. You know, three rivers jinx, Flacco, Big Ben. I mean, come on, we've seen it time and time again. Now this guy's gonna probably own us. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. I, I do think the Browns still match up well with the Bengals. The you know, we talked about the corners, the fact you have Miles Garrett rushing. Like those things aren't going away, right? Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, um, Martin Emerson. So so I, I think they'll still match up well with them, but that doesn't change the fact that Burrow's awesome, Chase is awesome, um, the Bengals look like they're gonna be around for a while. So I think it'll be more give and take. I don't think the Bengals are going to go on a 10-0 run. Um, but I think we can now go into every game looking at each game in its own entity as opposed to, man, the Browns are 4-0 or now 4-1 against Burrow. Like, I, I think that's I, I think that's now over with. Well, so bottom line is we're going to see a lot more of Burrow. And, you know, I kind of go back to we talked about Stefanski before and well, we see a lot more of him, but, you know, to put a close on that subject too, it's, you know, just, just frustrating too. the flea flicker and all the penalties, just a sloppy game to wrap up uh, the Bengals. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, if you talk about a couple of key plays, right. That roughing the punter, it's a tie game. It's nothing, nothing. The Browns haven't backed up. They'll probably get the ball at midfield, get a roughing the punter call, keeps the ball with the Bengals, get a couple more defensive penalties, on that drive leads to the first touchdown. Um, another penalty extended the second touchdown drive, right? So, yeah, it was it was sloppy football. You know, we can fight about how much you want to put on the coaches versus the players, but you can't have that, right? You can't have nine penalties for 98 yards in December against a really good team on the road and win a game. There's no doubt about that. And the flea flicker, I mean, geez, oh, man, I asked Joe Woods about that on Thursday. Um, and – you know, Martin Emerson gets caught looking in the backfield. He's the corner, so he lets a guy run by him. Safety Grant Delpit takes about six steps in, and a right receiver runs by him. You just have to be more disciplined than that. Yeah, you want to pay attention to the run, but you can't lose track of your first assignment. Yeah. All right, well, we're talking uh, here on Wednesday, Scott. We've got a Wednesday. Saturday game. <laughs> I, yeah. I said today's Thursday because it's a Saturday game. Good point, Joe. Good point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I wasn't doing that to correct you. Uh, I was doing it more so just to uh, make sure that uh, – I, I got to be honest with you, sometimes I lose track of the days when you get up uh, so early in the morning. So, I believe uh, that. But, yeah, right. Anyway, today, so we're talking on Wednesday. You were in the locker room today already. Uh, what kind of feel was in there? And, and I guess my, my question is, what's the attitude like right now with this team with four games left? And basically, what's the playoff chance like? 0.4 bottom line is no playoffs and you know you just got to wonder you know are they just playing it out now do you feel comfortable that they're gonna really come out of blazing here in the last four games or do you think this will be like a lot of seasons we've seen in the past where the season it just kind of gets away and it's ugly down the stretch yeah I mean I think there's that potential Chud um the guys are saying all the right things right the guys that come to the podium the guys we talk to it's all about, you know, playing well and finishing strong and guys that have stuff to prove, whether you're a rookie or your last year, your deal, whatever. You know, Miles Garrett's going to play through the shoulder injury. Amari Cooper says he's going to play through the 
um, the core muscle injury. So, you know, the team leaders and the team's best guys, you know, I trust that they're going to continue to play hard. Having said that, I think it's natural that there is a letdown when the carrot at the end is taken away, right? And the playoffs are the big carrot for everybody in the league is can you get to the playoffs? Can you get to the playoffs? And I know we all know the Browns are holding out hope, and they kept saying it. David and Joker, we're not done. And Miles Garrett kept talking about it. So, you know, I was out of practice today, and you just try to pay attention. It's cold, and you're some of the best players weren't practicing because it's a short week, and they're resting, and they have some injuries. So they're on the bike, Cooper and Clowney and Garrett and Batonio and Conklin are resting. So you look and you go, man, you just – what I, I wonder about the vibe. I really do. Um, because, you know, I, I, guys will play hard, but do you prepare the same way, right? Do you have the same sense of urgency? If you're hurt, how do you protect yourself? Like, all that stuff is is a, are real things at this stage of the season. So I, I think it's something important to watch. I think it's important for Kevin Stefanski to keep these guys together and keep pushing them. Like we talked about it, I think the final record is going to be important. And, yes, you had this Deshaun Watson factor, and that's what fans will be focused on. That's what the organization will be focused on. But if you're just another guy in that locker room, you know, I don't know if it's how much you care about the improvement of Deshaun Watson. I mean, long-term you do, but, you know, let's say you're a guy that's not going to be here next year. You know, if you're Kareem Hunt, you know, does he really care about Deshaun Watson's, um, you know, improvement over the final four games? I don't know. I think those are all legitimate, fair questions to ask. And, and I don't know if I can tell you that they're going to come out a blazing against the Ravens, right? We know the Ravens got a lot to play for. They're playing for the North title and maybe even the number one seed in the AFC. Um, the Browns are going to have to figure out a way to match that intensity or else they could find themselves, you know, losing to a backup quarterback. Yeah, sure. And before we talk more about the Ravens, what did Watson have to say in the locker room today? Yeah, a couple of key takeaways. You know, he's looking forward to his first home game. You know, it's hard to believe you're going to be December 17th. The guy's never played at First Energy Stadium, preseason or regular season. So he's looking forward to that. Um, and I'm going to write about that later in the week. We talked about the cold weather. You know, <laughs> the Hasms are concerned that that was one of the reasons he didn't want to come here. Um, but, you know, he talked about playing through that. And, you know, that comes with the territory and he had to block it out. And then he also said that he's nowhere close. I'm going to get this quote exactly right here. Um, he wants to be better than he was in 2020, right? That wasn't good enough. And that's when he led the league in passing. He said, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. This team is also nowhere near where we want to be. Um, so I just thought it was interesting. They framed it like that, right? We're focusing on all these little things, completions and scrambles. And he's thinking big picture, like, you know, he wants to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league and even better than he was when he was playing at a top-five level. All right. You ready to move on to the Ravens? Yes, sir. All right. What are we looking at quarterback-wise? Are yeah. we looking at number one, number two, number three? It looks like number two. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't practiced this week, didn't play against the Steelers. Tyler Huntley, as of Tuesday, he was still in the concussion protocol. But you can practice some while you're in the protocol. So he walked, went through the walkthrough Tuesday, practiced Wednesday. So I believe there's a sentiment out of Baltimore that he's going to start. Um, and he's a pretty good player. You know, the Browns saw him for a bunch of that 
I think it was the December game last year in Cleveland. Uh, Lamar Jackson got knocked out early. Huntley finished. The Browns won the game, but Huntley was impressive. I mean, I I had never seen a lot of him, you know, I mean, especially live. And I came really impressed. He throws it okay, really good runner, can extend plays, uh, you know, si- si- similar style. Let me get it out. Similar style to Lamar Jackson, obviously not as explosive and as dangerous as Lamar Jackson is, right? He's one of a kind, um, but runs a lot. The run game is, you know, not only – the run game, their quarterback adds an element to the run game. Then they have all those backs with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Kenyon Drake, right? Like it's got a, they can roll them in and out. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens ran it 45 times, and we've seen that be uh, that'd be difficult for the Browns to stop. So I think we're going to get Huntley. If, he, if it's not him, then it would probably be Anthony Brown. And then the Browns should have a really good chance. He's an undrafted rookie. That made his debut last week. So, Scott, looking at this game, I mean, you have a team that is fighting for a division title against a team that, I, I mean, you know, they lost last week, and it's just you wonder if they can rebound now with, with basically no shot at the playoffs. I got to think mentally that's going to be a factor. Do you agree or no? Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. I, I certainly question that. Um, you know, like, I think guys will play hard, but it's different than, you know, it's different than, having the same motivation is trying to reach the playoffs, right? And the same motivation as a team on the other side of the field that is has a bunch of goals and is trying to get to the Super Bowl. So um, I think you have to watch out for that. You know, there's a spoiler factor. Miles Garrett mentioned that. So, you know, we've seen – I mean, you've seen plenty of times in a league where teams that are out of it beat teams that are in it, but it, it kind of takes something special. Yeah. Where are we at injury-wise with the Browns? Yeah. I mean, obviously, JOK, you know, linebacker Jeremiah Rusikoromora went on IR on Tuesday. So that's the fourth linebacker that's done for the season. He's got a foot injury. Um, Kevin Stefanski said they were still working through whether he would need surgery. Uh, but you already had Anthony Walker Jr., Jacob Phillips, Sione Takitaki. So you're really decimated at that position. You're looking at probably your top three or four guys are Deion Jones, who wasn't here when the season started, Jordan Kanasik. I think was on practice squad when the season started. Tony Fields the second, who was an afterthought when the season started. Reggie Ragland, who they signed off the um, the Raiders practice squad last week. And those are probably top four guys. And you're going against a Ravens team that runs the ball great. Um, I'm going to find out exactly their rank here in a second. Um, run the ball great. Has a backup quarterback, so we'll probably run it even more. You got to you know your run defense has struggled for much of the year, at least certainly at times during the year. And the Ravens go with a lot of two tight ends, so they put your defense in base. So you got to get three linebackers out there. Um, the Ravens are third in the league in rushing. They're better than the Browns are fifth. So uh, I, I think that's certainly a matchup to watch. Outside of that, Amari Cooper is dealing with the core muscle injury. I think he'll play. You know, he sounded when we talked to him Tuesday like he would play. You know, Miles Garrett, David Clowney, those guys are kind of fighting through it. I think they'll all play. Um, I guess David Bell's probably a guy to watch, the number three receiver. Uh, hasn't practiced, didn't practice Wednesday, would not have practiced Tuesday when they did the estimated uh, report. All right, prediction time. You ready? I am. Why didn't you stop me last week? You you just had to be like, oh, man, this is a layup. I'm tying you up in the overall record. I felt like I gave you every opportunity, Chud. Felt like I did. Like I told you, 
you can't trust that four and over Joe Burrow. That felt like a it felt like a bad stat to me. I know, I know, but I can't. You know, I I didn't want to pick against them every week the rest of the year. So uh, I don't know. I fell for it. I fell for the the emotion of a Browns win. But I also thought you know it'd be kind of fun if we we're both six or seven and six heading into the last four games. And that's exactly what we are. We're both seven and six. The Browns are five and eight. So uh, here we go. I'll go first. You went first last week. I, I'm not going to waste any time here. But Browns are favored by three, which I think is, I mean, I don't know. I, what do you think about that line? Browns favored by three. Yeah, I think it's the, it's all about the quarterback, you know. I mean, a little bit yeah. of a home field advantage. But um, I think it's mostly Deshaun Watson should be favored in a matchup with Tyler Huntley. But, you know, this is not prime Deshaun Watson. Yeah, right. 37 and a half's latest over under I saw. Uh, I'm not messing around this week. Uh, Ravens 20, Browns 17. I mean, do I think the Browns can win the game? Sure. Uh, but I'm not picking them. Uh, I just think that the fact that there's so much on the line for the Ravens, uh, I don't really buy any home field advantage in, in this one. And uh, Deshaun Watson, now he needs to prove to me that he can win a game. Like, he yeah. can win it. Like, I, I, the Houston game doesn't count to me. He's you know, I know he's one and one, but it doesn't feel like it necessarily. Um, so I'm going Ravens. Yeah, shoot, I think all of that's fair, Chud. I really do. Um, I'm picking, I'm picking the Ravens as well. I get, um, I'm going to go 17-13. The Ravens. Okay. I feel like low scoring game. Um, that's a low under, right? 37 and a half, and I still have yeah. it coming. I have it coming in under that. I think the Ravens will be conservative. Like I said, run the ball a bunch. Um, the Ravens are really good defensively. They're like one first in the since Roquan Smith since a trade in November at the beginning of November for Roquan Smith, the linebacker. They're first in the league in rushing defense and second in scoring defense. So they're playing really well. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson is still finding his footing, still progressing, getting used to Kevin's fancy system, all that. Got an Amari Cooper that's probably not going to be 100%. The run game is still trying to figure stuff out with Deshaun Watson. Um, so you put all that in a pile, and I just think the Ravens figure out a way to win. Now, I wouldn't be stunned if Watson were able to make more plays, right, and this kind of progression continued, and he was able to lead a couple of touchdown drives, which would be an improvement over 0-1. and one. And if that happens, then the Browns have a chance. But – um, I, I, man, I've seen this Ravens defense too many times, and it's just really good. And it's playing at a high level, and I think it'll be tough for Watson. He's played him twice before and gotten sacked ten times when he was at Houston. I, I just yeah. think it's going to be tough, right? First time in an AFC, you know, facing them in the AFC North rivalry. Um, it takes a while to get used to everything that the Ravens throw at you. So uh, I'm going to go Ravens seventeen thirteen. All right, we're on the same page. All right, yeah. that's it for me, buddy. Uh, let's see uh, what happens on Saturday, not Sunday. So it should be interesting. A uh, little Saturday afternoon football should be fun, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we go back back to back Saturdays. There's a this Saturday yeah. and Christmas Eve Saturday. So um, have to get used to that. Is a you know in my job and his fans, right? You got to tune in on Saturday. So I appreciate you taking that's the right. time, Chud. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, this this has been another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. We'll do it again next week, and you can read all my coverage at brownzone.com. Thanks again.